Today's episode is sponsored by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Just go to Indeed.com slash BrainsOn right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to BrainsOn, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Our listeners write us every day with questions. But there's one topic that has been more popular than any other. That's right. Electricity! Hi, I'm Elijah Dean Sanchez from Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm eight years old. I want to learn how static electricity works. Can you do a show on electricity? Where does electricity come from? How do batteries have that much energy inside when they are so little? I would like to know how your brain could make electricity. And it makes sense. Electricity is central to our lives. It powers our gadgets, our vehicles, our homes. It comes from the sky. It courses through our bodies. It's everywhere. We have four electrifying episodes. Today's episode is truly shocking. Pun intended. Keep listening. Listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom, and my co-host for this electricity series is 10-year-old Hobte Martone from Mountain View, California. Welcome, Hobte. Thanks for inviting me. Do you remember the last time that you got like an electric shock from something? Like when you touch a doorknob or like someone's sweater or something? Maybe every once in a while when I plug something in. And what did it feel like when that happened? It feels like a little tingling through my finger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it happens to me all the time because here in Minnesota, the air is really dry and it's really easy to shock yourself. And sometimes it even hurts. And I think this happens to a lot of people because we've gotten a lot of questions on this topic, like this one from Nora. I live in Sun Perry, Wisconsin. And my question is, why do I sometimes get an electrical shock? That shock comes from static electricity. And that story of static electricity starts with a gem. Amber, specifically, that translucent orange-hued material that is actually fossilized plant resin. And a scientist named Thales in the year 600 BCE. He's the first one who wrote down his observations 
observations he didn't understand about rubbing amber and noticing that when he rubbed it, it would attract small, lightweight objects. That's Becky Burnett. She's in charge of education at the Bakken Museum in Minneapolis. It's a science museum with a special focus on, you guessed it, electricity. He called in his friends and he asked them, what do you think is happening here? And a good portion of them said, oh, it's magic. Because that was a perfectly reasonable explanation. Other people thought that Amber, this rock, was alive. And that when Thales rubbed it with his wool or his fur pad, that it would wake up, yawn, (gasps) and small objects would be attracted to it. Others thought that it was a magnet, not fully understanding what a magnet was. Fast forward about 2,000 years to the 1500s and a man named William Gilbert. He was investigating magnets on behalf of his employer, the Queen of England. Gilbert was trying to determine which materials were magnets and which weren't. What a cool job. Right? Many people thought amber was a magnet because it attracted these small objects. Through a series of tests, Gilbert determined, nope, amber's not a magnet. And he felt that this attraction, this action, this phenomena deserved a name. And so he decided to use the Greek word for amber, which is electra, to call whatever this force was that was growing on the outside of the amber as you rubbed it, he determined that it should be called electricity based on the Greek word electra for amber. And that's how the word electricity came to us. So what is happening on the outside of amber when you rub it? It's the same thing that happens when you make a balloon stick to your head. Or your skirt clings to your tights. It's static electricity at work. To understand electricity, we need to know a few basic things. Electrons have a negative charge. Electrons are negative. Everything is made up of tiny atoms, and atoms have a center called a nucleus. Which contains even tinier particles called protons and neutrons. And then zipping around that nucleus are electrons. Quick tip. Protons are positively charged and electrons are negatively charged. Neutrons are neutral, as you would guess from their name. That means they aren't positive or negative, they're just there. Because these electrons are zipping around the outside, it's possible for atoms to give away electrons. Bye-bye, electron. Or pick up electrons. Hello, electron. If an atom picks up enough electrons, it can end up with more negatively charged particles than positive ones, and it becomes negatively charged. Hello, electron. Now I'm negative. If it loses electrons and ends up with more positive particles than negative ones, we say it's positively charged. Bye-bye, electron. Now I'm positive. Here's the second thing to remember. Opposites attract. Opposites attract. So if something has a positive charge, it will attract something with a negative charge. This also means if you have two things with a positive charge or two things with a negative charge, those things repel. Opposites attract and like repels like. So when you rub a balloon on your head, your hair gives away electrons really easily. Bye-bye, electron. And latex, the material the balloon is made out of, picks up electrons really easily. Hello, electron.
electron. So, when you rub these two things together, they exchange electrons. Bye-bye, electron. Now I'm positive. Hello, electron. Now I'm negative. And since they now have opposite charges, they can stick together. Now you can walk around with a balloon on your head. And the reason your hair stands on end is that each individual hair is positively charged. Since like charges repel like charges, each hair is trying to get away from the other ones, making them stand up. And looking really awesome in the process. (laughs) (laughs) Now, some materials just naturally want to give away electrons, and others naturally want to pick them up. So, if you rub two things together that both like getting rid of electrons... Like hair and skin you won't get that buildup of static charge. But rub something that loves getting rid of electrons against something that loves taking them. Like hair and latex. Static magic. So let's get back to Nora's question. Why do I sometimes get an electrical shock? When you build up a static charge, there's nowhere for it to go. It's just sitting there. The word static actually means not moving. Here's the third thing you need to know. Conductors let electrons flow. Conductors go with the flow. Metal is a great conductor, but things that aren't metal generally aren't, like your hair or your clothes. Those are called insulators. So that means if you get a buildup of electrons on your clothes or your hair, they just sit there until you come into contact with a conductor. Like a doorknob. Which allows the electrons to flow away. Bye-bye, electron. Here in Minnesota, winter is a shocking time because the air is so dry, meaning there's very little water in the air. And water is a conductor. So, if there's humidity or water in the air, or if your skin or hair or clothes have even a little moisture on them, you're less likely to have a buildup of static charge. That wetness helps those extra electrons flow away before they build up. But if it's dry, those electrons build up and are ready to jolt you when you least expect it. Zap! Now, Hobtate, this won't shock you, but we have a charge for your ears. It's time for the mystery sound. Mystery Here it is. Okay, what is your guess? I think it's something to do with machines and air pressure, pressurization. Excellent guess. And what, what other sounds did you hear there besides a machine? I heard something that sounds like an instrument. Okay, excellent. So we are going to be back with the answer in just a bit. Hi, it's me, Bob. I think you should support Brains On because... Molly and Mark and Sandin are my best friends. Okay, they're my only friends. I mean, maybe my friend skills need some work. I, I always forget their birthdays. And I hog all the artichoke dip for myself. <sighs> What's that? I'll get back to the point. Oh, uh, right. You should support Brains On because the show gives you something to talk about. I know families that listen, and they have great, big, long discussions afterwards. It sounds so fun. 
I wish they'd ask me to join. And sometimes I, I talk about Brains On episodes at parties, and, and, and people actually listen to me. Well, then I show off my dance moves, and they, and they usually walk away. Oh, well, I guess disco isn't back in style yet. Go to brainson.org slash donate and keep the show going. That way, you'll have plenty of new episodes to talk about with your family, your friends, and your new friend, me, Bob. We can be friends, right? I'll let you see my Popsicle stick collection. Huh? Huh? <laughs> Gifts before December 31st are tax deductible. To support the show, go to brainson.org slash donate. Giving does not mean you have to be friends with Bob. But you can. This is probably a topic you've thought a lot about. You've discussed it at dinner, ruminated on it at recess, mulled it over on your motorcycle. Which is cooler, dolphins or octopuses? It's a tough one, and it's the subject of the next Brains on Debate. And we need your input. Which do you think is cooler? Be sure to tell us why. Send your dolphin and octopus arguments to hello at brainson.org. And you could also send mystery sound questions and drawings to that same email address. Need some inspiration? We'd love to see a drawing of what it looks like when you get all staticky. Send it to hello at brainson.org. High fives. Today's episode is sponsored by Sitka Seafood Market. Seafood is a great source of long-chain omega-3 fatty acids, which can support heart health. Salmon is one of my favorite foods, and so it's so delightful when a box of amazing quality, beautiful salmon arrives at my door. Sitka Seafood Market sources from small boat fishermen and community-based processors that take great care to provide the highest quality seafood that is wild-caught, sustainably, and ethically harvested. And one of the best parts is Sitka Seafood Market offers a variety of flexible subscriptions that can come monthly or every other month. It's super convenient, so if you're going on vacation, you can pause or you can cancel anytime. I know you'll love it as much as I do. Go to SitkaSeafoodMarket.com and use code MOLLY35 for $35 off your first order of $100 or more. That's SitkaSeafoodMarket.com, promo code MOLLY35 for $35 off your first order of $100 or more. That's SitkaSeafoodMarket.com. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. You're listening to Brains On. I'm Hop Day. I'm Molly. And today we're getting electric. Ready to go back to that mystery sound? Here it is one more time. Okay, any new guesses? Now I feel like the musical instrument part of it is uh, spoons tapping on water glasses. And I, and I still think it's the same for that uh, 
uh, the air pressurizing and the ticking. I think it's the those arrows things ticking on the car. There's a lot of things there. Yeah, like a turn signal. Yeah. Well, you're hearing a lot in that sound. So let's hear the answer. Here is Richard Johnson from the Bakken Museum. Yeah, the ringing you hear is the sound of Franklin's bells. Okay, so I probably need to describe what Franklin's bells is for you because you probably, have you heard of it before? No. Okay, so Franklin's bells, what it is, is two bells sitting side by side and you can make them ring without touching them at all. Nice. I'll tell you more about how static electricity makes those bells ring in just a little bit. But first, who is the Franklin in Franklin's bells? Have you heard the name Franklin before? Is there a president with the name Franklin? Yes, there is a president with the first name Franklin, but in this case, we're talking last name, and we're talking Benjamin Franklin. He's known as one of the founding fathers of the United States. He was living here when it was a British colony, and he helped shape the country in its early years after the American Revolution. He was a printer. He printed books and newspapers. He was an inventor. He invented bifocal glasses, and he was a scientist. In every facet of his life, he is just really, really curious about everything. That's Carolyn Winterer. I'm a professor of American history at Stanford who works on a lot of interesting people, including Benjamin Franklin. And Benjamin Franklin was very curious about electricity. Electricity was this really interesting and mysterious substance, and people were fascinated by it. And so it was kind of like the silly putty of the 18th century. Scientists in Europe were starting to experiment with electricity. They developed equipment that helped them harness static electricity. One apparatus is the Ramsden generator. That's what you heard at the beginning of the mystery sound. This machine was basically a large wheel that you turned with a crank, and that was that clicking sound you heard. The wheel would rub against a piece of fur or wool and generate a static charge. Then that charge could be transferred to something called a Leiden jar. The Leiden jar is a glass jar about the size of a pop can with metal inside it, as well as a metal rod sticking out the top and metal wrapped around the outside. Kind of like an electricity burrito, a conductor wrapped in an insulator wrapped in another conductor. The Leiden jar had a lot of uses, but in the case of the Franklin bells we just heard, it can make them ring without touching them. Because of the exchange of electrons, the ball that makes the bell ring is attracted back and forth, and every time it goes back and forth, the bells ring. So Franklin played a lot with electrostatic generators, Leiden jars, and kept asking questions and making observations. Have you ever played with static electricity before? Once I tried uh, rubbing my finger on some platforms and seeing if it if it made a static electricity charge. And did it? Sometimes when I rub my finger on something without, without expecting it, there's a charge. But when I do expect it, they're not a charge. Interesting. So, you know, speaking of that little charge, what does lightning look like to you? Uh, like uh, purple, yellow. They're very light, and then they just split zigzag. And next time you get a shock, if you're able to charge yourself up and touch a doorknob, you'll notice it looks incredibly like a lightning bolt. And that was the observation that led Franklin to wonder, what is lightning? Is it the same thing happening between my finger and the doorknob? So Franklin published a book called Experiments and Observations Upon Electricity. And this book caused quite a stir among European scientists. And they're shocked. They're, like, literally, <laughs> they're shocked because they don't expect any new scientific knowledge to be coming out of this very, very fringe part 
of the British Empire. Um, it would be like some great scientific experiment coming out of the bottom of the ocean from a fish. You know, they, that's the equivalent in the 18th century. But not everyone agreed with what he wrote about in this book. And since there was no Facebook or email or telephones, they discussed their differences through letters. A lot of the letters that he wrote were basically him fighting with other people over things like how electricity worked, how the light in jars worked, how you could harness the powers of electricity. It took him writing a lot and fighting a lot to make his opinions known. And as we continue through our electricity series, we're going to see this is a common thread, fights about electricity. This was one of the things people fought the most about in his time period. Welcome to the Electric Games! Scientists going head-to-head, mind-to-mind, duking it out over electricity! Today, an epic tennis match between two 18th century scientists, Benjamin Franklin... Shocking. ...and Jean-Antoine Nollet. We like to say Chocan. The volley begins. Electricity and fire are not the same. Quoi? There's no evidence. Ça n'a aucun sens. My lightning rod can save your home. Comme c'est absurde. How can man control the sky? Stop being so stubborn. Game, set, match, Franklin! So Franklin had two roles in the world of electricity. One was experimentation and invention. The other was to publicize and popularize his ideas. Here's historian James Del Borgo from Rutgers University. Franklin's key insight was that whatever you could demonstrate inside the laboratory helped you to manipulate electricity on a vast scale outside the laboratory. The lightning rod is simply an application of that theory. All electrical experimenters had used various forms of metal wire to conduct electricity and to discharge it in their, in their demonstrations. Franklin reasoned by analogy. If lightning is simply electricity, we can simply use larger metal rods extending them up off the side, say, of a chimney, running this metal in an unbroken line all the way down the side of the building and into the earth. After his invention of the lightning rod, Benjamin Franklin wanted to share this discovery with the public. Franklin and some of his friends start to perform these electrical demonstrations up and down the colonies, offering to electrify people in the audience so they could see what electricity felt like. He also had miniature houses to demonstrate how lightning rods worked. Small model house, uh, which they called thunder houses, and he would fit the house with a miniature lightning rod. He would then generate the charge of electricity from his electrostatic machine, and he would take that charge and send it into the lightning rod. And so people in the audience would see this machine cranking and would see a large spark issue from a metal chain right into the top of this model house. 
but the model house was not damaged. What he then did to conclude the experiment was to take that model lightning rod off the Thunder House, and he would then crank another charge, and there would be a massive discharge and a large spark. Without the lightning rod, the Thunder House blew apart to demonstrate that you needed lightning rod to protect your house. After being exposed to these traveling electricity shows, some people wanted to have their own electrostatic fun at home. Not just men, but women and children. Having apparatus at home, uh, an electrostatic machine. One of the really interesting things about the 18th century is that a science like electricity starts off as a kind of uh, spectacular entertainment, but it is then domesticated, and it is something that families, well-to-do families, uh, recreated in their own homes. The Bakken Museum in Minneapolis has some of these electrostatic party games at their museum, so I went to check them out with a friend. Hi, I'm Max, and I'm 10. I live in St. Paul. What we're, you're holding what's called a Leyden jar. It's a plastic mm-hmm. jar, and we're going to fill it with electrons. Using a Ramsen generator and Leyden jars, we made confetti dance in our hands. The paper's blowing up from the table to my hand. So you are kind of like a piece of amber. Sorry. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> it's tight. We made bells ring. And Max even charged himself up using a Van de Graaff generator. Well, I put my hands in this metal ball that was being charged by 400,000 volts of of electricity. It felt like my ants were crawling over me, but I I can't, you can't describe it. It didn't feel good or bad, it just felt weird. It feels like you're flying without actually leaving the ground. You just, yeah. And your clothes kind of come into your, just like you would if you were flying or skydiving. Okay, can you put both hands on the machine? Richard took out a pencil and started flicking it at Max like a wand. He could style Max's hair into a mohawk without touching it, and he could make Max's clothes move just by moving his pencil from a distance and making electrons move. It was amazing. It was just awesome. The fact that we can do this in our world is just amazing. The fact that he can make my hair move without touching it by just using my finger and, uh, and static electricity. If you want to try some static electricity fun at home, you can head to our website for instructions on how to bend a stream of water without touching it. I'm going to explode my brother's mind for the bending water trick. Some materials pick up electrons easily, and others give them away. When they do this, they can get a positive or negative charge. Opposite charges attract, and like charges repel. And you touch a conductor, the charge flows away with a spark. And the early experiments with static electricity open the door to a whole new world. That's it for this episode of Brains On. Brains On is produced by Mark Sanchez, Sandin Dutton, and Molly Bloom. We had production help from Lauren D., John Lambert, and Emily Allen, and engineering help from Veronica Rodriguez, Corey Shreppel, and Ryan Roberts. Many thanks to Rahel Haile, Leah Martone, Jennifer Ehrlich, Sarah Swisher, Hans Buto, Brenna Everson, and Jeffrey Bisoy. And before we go, let's welcome the latest group to join the Brains Honor Roll. These kids power our show with their drawings, questions, and mystery sounds. Here we go. 
Jonna from Burnaby, British Columbia, Emerson and Gideon from Greeley, Colorado, Layla from Brussels, Piper from New York City, James from Lisbon, Portugal, Adam, Uri, and Aton from Rivervale, New Jersey, Jethro from San Francisco, Hamish and Lockie from Melbourne, Australia, Josie and Beckett from Tahoe City, California, Gabriel from Leighton Buzzard, England, Corbin from Los Angeles, Mela from Miami, Gio from Oakland, California, Wyatt from Philadelphia, Iggy from Baton Rouge, Elliot and Ian from Des Moines, Laura from Evanston, Illinois, Elizabeth, Harry, and Caroline from Warrenton, Virginia, Oliver and Spencer from Seattle, Rosie and James from York, England, Trevor, Jude, and Emery from Northampton, Massachusetts, Gabriel from Glenwood, Iowa, Julian from Brooklyn, Lucy from Pasadena, California, Lucas and Mateo from Toronto, Archer from Sydney, Adrian from Toronto, Sienna from Adelaide, Australia, Alita from Edmond, Oklahoma, Mateo and Lucas from San Jose, California, Ezra from Charlottesville, Virginia, Gideon from Brooklyn, Ezra from Pittsburgh, Ahmad from Peoria, Illinois, Parker from Prince George, British Columbia, Augie from Southampton, New York, Callie, Emmett, and Zoe from Orangeburg, New York, Penelope from Los Angeles, Tashi from Breckenridge, Colorado, Timothy and Matthew from St. Paul, Eli from Culver City, California, Jonathan from Leesburg, Virginia, and Dylan from Minneapolis. Remember, if you want to be on the honor roll, record a mystery sound, draw us a picture, or send a question to hello at brainson.org. We'll be back next week to talk power lines, electric grids, and a true power battle between Tesla and Edison. See you then. Thanks for listening. Electricity, electricity, electricity.